Welcome to the Disney View Podcast. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer. He's a one-time cast member, and he's been to Disney World literally hundreds of times. Listen in as he talks about one of his favorite things, the Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, and occasionally beyond the Orlando theme park. And now, here's your host. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. It's Dave again. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On this week's podcast, I wanted to reflect back further on the Hall of Presidents. Back around the time of the election, I had put together a podcast about the original Hall of Presidents that appeared from 1971 to 1993, and then played for you the audio that appeared during that showtime. What I wanted to do in today's podcast, since it's time for the inauguration is to go back and look at what the differences were in the 1993 version of the attraction up to where we are today. So, the original attraction closed in September 1993 and was completely renovated and reopened in October of 1993 after Bill Clinton had been elected the President of the United States. The changes to the show, which in some form remain to this day, are are credited to Eric Foner. Now, he's a history professor at Columbia University, and he was able to persuade various Disney executives most notably CEO Michael Eisner, that a new adaptation of the show was needed. Foner is responsible for completely rewriting and changing the script of the show in order to focus more on the slavery and other ethical and civil-related issues in the United States of America. Now, Foner said that the closing Lincoln speech represented a dated view of America from the 1950s when its appeal to the strength of the national unity and its warnings about how the real danger to America came not from abroad but from ultimately from within. Perhaps Foner had visions of people leaving the Hall of Presidents having listened to the words from a real 1838 Lincoln speech might be motivated to call for the crushing of any dissent whatsoever against the federal government. So Foner was commissioned to rewrite Lincoln's speech, which was originally nearly identical to the one Lincoln gave in the original Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln. And the entire script for the Hall of Presidents got somewhat of a makeover as well. Now, you could argue that the Hall of Presidents did not sufficiently address the negative facets of America's development as a nation. Walt Disney had simply wanted a program that touched on the themes that unified Americans of all political perspectives and what gave them the ability to live in a free society and be justly proud of that. Going into the Hall of Presidents and coming away with a good feeling about the American experiment of government was ultimately no different than indulging in the patriotic platitudes that often frame the 4th of July celebrations. Now, in the new program, the Constitutional Convention debate contains a curious moment where we hear a a cacophony of voices arguing about the slavery issue. One voice says, can we not agree that the constitutional liberties must extend to those Americans purchased and raised as slaves? And another voice responds by saying, if this convention fails to insert some security to the southern states against the emancipation of slaves, we can never receive the plan. The only problem was that 
the slavery was never an issue under debate at the Constitutional Convention because those delegates from the non-slave states regarded the issue as too hot to handle. And the best answer was to put the matter off for another generation in order to achieve a broader unity in the matter of what, for, what form of government would best suit the new nation. So there was a little bit of inaccurate history that was presented there. Also, it included some, some discussion of the nullification debate. Random voices talking about slavery were injected into the mix, which downplays the fact that nullification crises stemmed over tariff policy, not over slavery. So once again, an effort to be more politically correct by showing more heightened concern about slavery in the early days of American history ultimately led to a poor history lesson. Now, in keeping with this theme, the Whiskey Rebellion was zapped from the revised program because evidently there was no way to shoehorn slavery into that issue. Also, the revision speaks to continuing prejudices and injustices in America. As for the accomplishments of Edison and the Wright brothers, these two had been zapped from the program content as being somewhat irrelevant to the understanding of American history, which hardly makes for an improved program content. Well, that is, if it was not balanced with Epcot's American adventure, having Susan B. Anthony calling for women's suffrage while sharing the same platform with Andrew Carnegie and Alexander Graham Bell in the 1876 exposition segment. With the revised script came the elimination of Royal Dano and his vocal contributions to the program. Veteran voice uh, actor Pete Renaday was brought in to do the Lincoln speech, and the results were less effective overall. Now, while Renaday had done stellar work over the years in creating memorable characters at Disney World, such as Henry in the Country Bear Jamboree and Captain Nemo in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and later as the Tomorrowland Transit Authority voice. But the problem was that Renaday had a slightly comical-sounding voice, and it didn't really uh, give the effectiveness to Lincoln's voice. Now, also changed was the narrator. In the past, there were prominent members of the Disney company to narrate points of the film. Instead, poet Maya Angelou was brought in, and she narrated the revised script and gave the roll call of the U.S. presidents. It made sense, and she was a Clinton supporter and a friend. New amateur actors were given the voices of the characters in the film, and the Lincoln audio-animatronic figure was also given eyeglasses and held a piece of paper and was uh, looking up and down at his speech. Some objected to this, saying that it dumbed down the depiction that Lincoln was a prominent and iconic figure. Now, with all of that in place, there was another big thing that happened. With Bill Clinton's addition to the Hall of Presidents came a new practice of having the current President of the United States deliver a speech prior to Lincoln's, in the President's own voice. It seemed like a novel idea, but again, the problem was the words chosen for President Clinton had to come from a Disney speechwriter, in this case a non-American songwriter, Tim Rice, and could never pretend to achieve the same kind of eloquence that the actual words of Lincoln could. My fellow citizens, we are the heirs of the great American Revolution. As this millennium draws to a close and the 21st century approaches, let us pause to honor the very idea of America. America mirrors the world's diversity, yet it remains united in its struggle to uphold fundamental freedoms. We believe our nation's happiness still evolves from liberty, from opportunity, and from the vision of equality set forth by our country's Declaration of Independence. And today, our nation stands as a symbol of freedom and inspiration to people all around the world. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. And there is nothing wrong with the world that cannot be cured by the ideals that America represents. Those principles have no borders. And we look forward to a day when those principles extended beyond our borders will have circled the globe. The quest for democracy must continue 
until all the people of the world enjoy the freedom we must always fight to preserve. The spirit of America is as bright and hopeful today as it was in July of 1776. And we are ready to carry our great national experiment forward into the next millennium. Now, a change of presidents in 2001 led to another significant revision of the Hall of Presidents. The script was retained, but now was narrated by the unknown J.D. Hall instead of Maya Angelou. This time, George W. Bush delivered a speech, again written by the Disney staffer prior to the Lincoln speech. My fellow Americans, when we look back on the history of this country, we see a record of almost unbelievable energy, sacrifice, hard work, of impossible dreams that our ancestors dreamed and made real. We see injustice, too. It weighs on our hearts even today. But for every injustice, there has always been a voice crying out to right it. And America has always listened to those voices. We are listening today. And perhaps it falls to us, to this first generation of the 21st century Americans, to say once and for all that no child, no race, no creed, no ethnic community will ever again be left out of the American dream. Through education, through the opportunity to work, and to enjoy the fruits of that work, we can open every closed door, expand the horizons of all Americans. Again and again, we return to the same simple principles, freedom, equality, the freedom to create, to prosper, to dream, equality before the law, in the workplace, in the chance for a better life. And each time, in the process, America grows stronger, the beacon of democracy grows brighter. The world looks in new astonishment at what free people can do. We the people are just getting started. In 2009, a number of updates were made to the show. It included the addition of President Barack Obama to the Hall of Presidents, but it also underwent some extensive renovation to upgrade its audio and visual effects systems. When Obama recorded his speech uh, in March of 2009 in the White House map room, he also recorded it himself again. And Morgan Freeman was brought on as the narrator of the show. And George Washington was added as a third speaking president. All the other legacy voices and features used in the 1993 show remain unchanged in the current show. However, the clip of the Saturn V ro- rocket launch was replaced with footage showing the first launch of the space shuttle Columbia. The footage had been recycled from the original version of the Universe of Energy. Kind of an interesting side note. Um, and not only was Obama added to the uh, show... Um, He was the most sophisticated audio-animatronics figure ever built by Disney. The lighting, sound, and video were all digitized and improved, so the audience are treated to a crisp show that seems fresh and alive. Now you can find a recording of the Hall of Presidents, the Obama version, that I recorded when I was up at the parks uh, back in show number 74. It's audio from the Hall of Presidents, and you can listen to the entire show. Now something interesting, back when Obama was elected in 2008... Imagineers reached out to the president-elect and asked him if he'd be interested in providing audio. And, well, I'd like to provide the story for me from Lou Mangiello's WDW radio show. Now, I want to give full credit to Lou. I'm not trying to lift it from him. I would encourage you to go and listen to Lou's show. It's a, it's a great show. It's interesting to hear the perspective of the Imagineer who was actually in the room, in the map room, when President Obama was enthusiastically giving his performance to provide in the show. Now, will there be an edit to the show based on Obama being elected to a second term? Who knows, but I guess we'll find out in the future. Joining me today to discuss the attraction and its latest update is someone who is intimately familiar with its latest incarnation. 
He is Eric Jacobson, Senior Vice President of Creative Development at Walt Disney Imagineering and one of the many talented people behind the new Hall of Presidents. Eric, welcome to the WDW Radio Show. Thank you. It's great, great to be with you today, Lou. Happy Fourth. Same to you, and, and congratulations to you and everybody else on the team uh, on the opening of, of the Hall of Presidents again. Very exciting Thank day, you. I could imagine. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Right, and it was really last updated back in 2001. Now we're getting our real first major change since back 1993 when they did the script change and, and Maya Angelou narration. Uh, you had, uh, obviously, an incredible opportunity, not only to work on the attraction update, but you got to visit the White House for President Obama's recording of the speech. Describe that experience a little bit. Oh, it, was, it was a great experience. I mean, just going to the White House for in, in any capacity, to even as a tourist, is an awesome experience. But being uh, VIP guests to come and meet the president, explain what we wanted to do with Hall of Presidents and what Hall of Presidents was, and show him what our show was going to be, and then record his voice, both taking the oath of office and giving an inspirational speech that we wrote for the show, was just amazing. And we got a great VIP tour behind the scenes of the White House and spent you know, the better part of the day there. The staff there was, was great. They were so helpful. But just, of course, meeting any president is amazing, and meeting Barack Obama was was particularly amazing. So we had, a, we had a great, great time, and it's a great result. It's perfect for our show. I can imagine. And there's actually a video on the White House website that I'll, I'll link to this, this week. And one thing I noticed in the video that I thought was interesting, that you got to discuss with the president what the audio animatronics figure are. And you also gave him or you showed him a book that Imagineering prepared. What was in that book, and what did you explain to the president about his figure? Well, we didn't get actually did not get a chance to ask him if he had ever been to Walt Disney World or to see the Hall of Presidents. So we went, and we didn't know that going in. And I'm sure, still not quite sure what the answer to that question is. But we wanted to be prepared to explain to him what his role was going to be. So we put together a very brief book, mostly of pictures, very few words, that explained what Liberty Square was as in the Magic Kingdom and what the Hall of Presidents was, and then a little bit of history about the show, showing Blaine Gibson, the Disney legendary sculptor, sculptor who has done every presidential bust up until Barack Obama. And that uh, honor was given to Valerie Edwards, who's, uh, who's trained under Blaine and is now our chief sculptor in Imagineering. So we explained to him how the figures were sculpted, how they're created, and what their role in the show would be. And then, in particular, what his role in the show would be. And I think, as you saw in the White House piece, uh, he was impressed with the sculptures and and said at the end after we showed him what he was going to look like, he said, "You know, you may be you may be better looking." <laughs> so, so he was. We had a very brief time with him. It wasn't very long, but it was it was plenty plenty long enough. And he was nothing but gracious and very helpful for us. Right, and ever since the opening of the original Hall of Presidents back in '71, accuracy has always been of paramount importance, and not just again for the the current 44th president, but everyone before him. Tell us a little bit about. What was done from a research perspective to ensure the accuracy of President Obama? Yeah, well, we we um, contacted his uh, members of the White House staff through some of our internal, uh, you know, connection people that that knew people at the White House. Also, talk and talked to these people to make sure that we got his wardrobe right, his um, so the size of his clothing right, of course, which is part of the wardrobe. We sculpted the duplicate wedding ring to match the one. You know, these days, day and age. It's so much easier to go online and find things like that that we didn't have to quite do as much um, in-person research as we might have in the past, say, when we did Ronald Reagan or other people like that. Um, but we really did talk to a lot of people and re research what would be appropriate. And the outfit that he is wearing, or the suit that he's wearing, I should say, um, in this uh, presentation is actually inspired by the suit that he met the day that we met him at the White House. 
Wow. And, you know, in addition to the accuracy of the clothing and the jewelry and, and whatnot, he also really represents a, a, a big leap forward in the advancement of audio animatronic figures and that his facial features and his mouth articulations are at a level really never before seen, correct? Yes, that's right. Well, we took this figure to the next level. It's not a completely new figure. There are a lot of components in it that uh, that we have used in the past. But it, as you mentioned, the facial expression um, was very important to us because, as um, everybody knows, it's a pretty obvious statement, but most people see President Obama on television larger than life at least once a day, if not two, three, four, or five times a day. So everybody knows what he looks like. And so it was and it, it was obvious enough that we didn't, if obvious to us, if we didn't get that exactly right or as right as we could, that we'd be criticized and people would say that there's something wrong. They may not be able to put their finger on it, but uh, there's something quite right, which is obviously not a big, as big a challenge with somebody like President Lincoln, who no one, um, is, at least alive today, has seen speak. So uh, we have a lot more liberty there. But Obama, we really worked hard, so we installed extra functions and extra movements in his face to ensure that lifelike quality. Right now, while he obviously did not record his own voice for the first time, we also get to hear from our very first president, George Washington, for the first time in the Hall of Presidents. Um, tell us a little about the, the choice to have George Washington speak. Yeah, well, we decided that it would be great to focus on the because this, the new the, well because the focus of the show is about the bond between the president and the people, and that they are one of us. We thought that taking the oath, which is the one thing that every president throughout history has done. Um, at the beginning of their term of office. I thought that was a great moment to have the very first president of the United States talk about, and, this is, and it was a, a quote we used from Washington about what, an, uh, you know, what a momentous occasion uh, that was for him to recite these, um, these few words, and that every president after him has done that, and then offer the oath to Barack Obama and have President Obama take the oath of office on our state. So it was really a, a joining of the, you know, the first president to the latest president, and really felt like a good opportunity and something also to su surprise our Disney fans because President Washington has always stood and sat down in her, but we never given him, him a voice. So now he has a voice. It's just a little bit of extra Disney magic in the show. Right, and he was actually voiced by actor David Morse who played Washington in the John Adams miniseries, correct? That's right. That's a detail that our, our you know, political um, and people that, that love to watch uh, – patriotic and political movies uh, will notice, but we thought, you know, and for this generation, that's probably the most prominent voice of George Washington, so why not go with that and make that work? Um, and, you know, also, the voice, now that we're on that, the voice of Abraham Lincoln is actually Royal Dano, who did that recording for, uh, as part of the series recordings he did for the New York World's Fair. So that's an original voice from that was directed, actually, by Walt Disney himself. Obviously, one of the other changes to the Hall of Presidents has been the change in the title. Now it's the Hall of Presidents, a Celebrations of Liberty Leaders. Tell us about the changes that necessitated the change in the title and really the change in the story itself. Sure. Well, you know, Celebrations of Liberty Leaders, we really felt that the Hall of Presidents sounds like a place, and it really is a, it is a place, but it, we thought it, we should really say if we celebrate the idea that the Hall of Presidents is the physical place you go and the show itself is a celebration of Liberty's leaders, and we've really now made the storyline as I might have mentioned a little bit before, about uh, the, the bond between the president and the people and how the president is one of us, that anybody, you know, any American citizen can aspire to be the president, and it's actually possible. You don't have to be aristocracy. You don't have to be of royal lineage. They are one of us, and they're one of the people, and the bond between the president and the people is so important, and that's how it has been throughout time, and it stands today. So that's really 
how we refocus the show. Absolutely. And there's plenty more to see. There's uh, a new narrator in Morgan Freeman, a new soundtrack, new effects, uh, new HD video. Obviously, the, the Hall of Presidents officially opens appropriately on July 4th. Eric J- Jacobson, I want to congratulate you and the entire team of Imagineers who brought history to life once again. Thank you so much. Now, the Obama audio animatronic that exists in the, in the show is the most sophisticated ever built by Disney. It really features some very uh, fine articulation and things that have never been done before. So you think back to the story I told right after the election about how the technology didn't exist in, in 1958 when Walt Disney wanted to create a Hall of Presidents. And now you have the most sophisticated, almost lifelike, you might say, audio animatronic figure that really does something really remarkable that never had been done before. Now, a couple of quick facts for you about the Hall of Presidents. The film used in the original show was shot in 70mm format using a special process created by Disney legend Oob Iwerks. Now, what's, what's interesting about that, and this will have to be a whole other podcast, is that he created a whole new concept for how to do 70mm film and show it in a way that made it much more dramatic and, and gave you a visual perspective that really hadn't been seen before and really filled you with a feeling of actually being in the scene. When George W. Bush was added... All of the presidents up through George W. Bush were all sculpted by Disney legend Blaine Gibson. Barack Obama's audio-animatronic version was sculpted by his apprentice, Valerie Edwards. The reason for the switch between Royal Dano and Peter Renaday was simply that he had fallen ill and he was too sick to do the recording. Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, and Barack Obama are what's known as A100 model audio-animatronic figures, a line of the most advanced, lifelike, and expressive human figures WDI has ever built. James Algar, who's the person known as the True Life Adventure series for the Disneyland TV show, was commissioned to research and write the main program for Liberty Street, One Nation Under God, which would tell the story of America through a film presentation of narrations of paintings and would culminate with all the presidents appearing on stage in the finale. From the beginning, a speech of Abraham Lincoln's figure would highlight the, the finale. So the Hall of Presidents that you see today really does represent exactly that. The theater itself holds 700 guests. Unlike great moments with Mr. Lincoln at Disneyland, Walt Disney World's Hall of Presidents does not have a corporate sponsor. In the early days of the Magic Kingdom, when ticket booths were still in use, believe it or not, the Hall of Presidents was an e-ticket attraction. You needed an e-coupon to get in. It's amazing when you think back on it, because that would be the thrill ride type of attractions. As you might expect, the speaking presidents require more sophisticated audio animatronics than their non-speaking counterparts, and this is, of course, because of the speaking presidents demonstrate uh, more movement and facial expressions, and also the audience's focus will be directed primarily at them when most of us pay very little attention to, say, James Buchanan after the roll call. When George W. Bush was added to the lineup, Clinton's audio animatronic figure was given to him. There was no reason to build an elaborate figure of Bush when a less complicated model would work for Clinton. So kind of a little repurposing there. Blaine Gibson used paintings, photographs, and video to create each president's likeness. For Lincoln, an actual life mask taken in 1860 was used. The crafting of the opening day presidents took two years to complete. The clothing that each president uh, wears is an accurate representation of the time period in which he lived. Even the tailoring technique and fabric type used are correct for the decade in which the president was in office. Small, unseen details include braces for FDR's legs, Bush's Indiglo Timex watch, which has his first inauguration date inscribed on the back. For Obama, Imagineers recreated his wedding ring complete with its braided design. 
Another detail involves Washington's chair. It's a copy of the one he used during the 1787 Constitutional Convention. Here's an interesting little factoid for you that you may not be aware of. Grover Cleveland is the only president who served two non-consecutive terms. But Disney decided to only mention him once in the roll call of the Hall of Presidents. The Hall of Presidents was one of the new Disney World attractions that was spotlighted in the October 29, 1971 NBC special, The Grand Opening of Walt Disney World. The others in that show were the Country Bear Jamboree and the Mickey Mouse Review. And during the park's first few years, it was one of the most popular attractions. Eventually, attendance slackened off as attention spans of the average customer grew shorter, and the program grew under increasing criticism from social critics. Still, the program maintained enough of a following over the years and received periodic updates with each new change of presidential administrations, with the addition of Gerald Ford in 1974 and Carter in 1977, Reagan in 1981. Incidentally, one of the goals of Bob Iger, president of the CEO of Walt Disney Company, is to bring many of the attractions we've loved over the years into the 21st century. It's not his desire to change drastically any of the rides or shows, but to make sure they don't become tired and dated. Hall of Presidents is a good example of this directive, with the changes made when Obama was first elected President of the United States. And that's my podcast for this week. And on the next podcast, I'm going to present to you the audio from the 1993 show that featured Bill Clinton. And that's it for now. And remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. Show notes can be found on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. Looking to do some travel planning? Want to find an authorized Disney vacation planner? You should visit Destinations in Florida. Original music you hear in this podcast is courtesy of Sound On Music. You can find his music at ReverbNation.com slash A. Our thanks also go to Doug for his continued contributions to the show. You can find links to other great Disney podcasts, as well as the latest Twitter feed and the Disney buzz on DisneyPodcast.net. And don't forget to check out Dave's iPhone apps. There's a Hidden Mickeys app for finding and sharing hidden Mickeys at all of the Disney parks around the world. There's also an app designed especially for pin traders. You can keep track of all your pins and your wish lists. Please be generous with your time or a donation to Autism Speaks. We do hope that you've enjoyed your visit and that you drive home safely. Show number 125.